Hello and welcome to Bondcast, a podcast series where we discuss our views on the latest themes and events shaping rates markets. I'm Imogen Bakra, Head of UK Rate Strategy, and I'm joined today by our Global Market Specialists, Dan Navrusi and Joanne Spadigam. All right, Imogen, let's start with the UK this week. Uh, we had massive moves in guilds after the downside surprise in, uh, in inflation. So, I don't know, what are can you talk a little bit about that? Does that change the way you think about the BOE and generally your outlook on the, the economy? Yeah, I mean, the market and lots of people commentating on the market and inflation alike got very excited about UK inflation this week, which for the first time in many months uh, posted A, a downside surprise, but B, also uh, was a, a smaller increase, I should say, in inflation than, than we saw last month. Um, obviously, in the UK, we've become accustomed to fairly sizable upside surprises in the last couple of months. So um, a downside surprise that that is lower than the previous month is is clearly good news for the Bank of England. Um, I think I would just caution a little bit around, you know, how much kind of euphoria we're we're seeing in terms of how sizable that downside miss was and and what it really means for, you know, for the outlook for rates or or the MPC, um, the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee. I think there's a couple of things worth remembering. A, the fact that UK inflation is still well above its peers. You know, we're talking about headline inflation in the UK is still at 7.9% and core inflation at 6.9%. So yes, slightly lower than expected, but still very high levels and significantly higher than we're seeing in the US or in the euro area, for example. You know, headline in the euro area last, sorry, in the US last month was at 3%. That's very different to 79 um, the other points that I would make is that it's still significantly higher than we were expecting just a couple of months ago. You know, prior to the big upside surprise that we saw in April, we actually had core inflation in June um, coming off to 5.9%. So we're a whole percentage point higher than where we thought we would be just a couple of months ago. And I think it's important to think about this week's print in that context as well. Um, And finally, the other point I would make, which I think is very relevant when we think about the Bank of England's reaction function, is that services inflation was still very high. That was still above 7%. Um, It came in at 7.2, which was sort of broadly in line with expectations. Again, it had moderated slightly from last month, which was at 7.4, but but 7.2 is well above a, you know, what the Bank of England would like it to be, to be consistent with their 2% target, but be also well above where they saw services inflation being um, in June in their May monetary policy report. So I think that that you know, still high level of services inflation and probably, you know, combine that with the upside surprise that we got in wage inflation just um, a week ago now, um, that probably applies, you know, sufficient pressure to the Bank of England to still hike 50 basis points, we think, in August. Um, So we haven't changed our view there and we haven't changed our view of of terminal rates, which we expect to be at 6% in November. Um, But really, you know, if the Bank of England could justify off the back of high services inflation, wage inflation that's surprising to the upside and core inflation at 7.1%, a 50 basis point hike last month, it's very difficult to rationalise why they wouldn't view another 50 basis point hike as, as necessary, I suppose. Yeah, I guess the market's still torn with the pricing. Uh, last I checked, it was kind of looked like a coin toss still. But 
moving on to, I guess, further up the curve, I mean, listeners definitely know you as a top bear of the podcast, uh, <laughs> and you have been very bearish guilds until, uh, until now. Has, has your view changed around that with these recent developments at all? Um, honestly, not really. I suppose the, the sort of bullish de- developments for gilts are that, um, you know, clearly perhaps the upside risks to, to bank rate and this idea that it might go well beyond 6% are somewhat diminished now. Um, and maybe, you know, to the extent that natural buyers of gilts have kind of been sitting on the sidelines for a lot of this year, waiting for a more convincing downward trend in inflation and, you know, more confidence around the the peak level of bank rate to kind of get involved in gilts again. You know, this print sort of pushes them a little bit in that direction. But I think one swallow doesn't really make a summer. And I don't think that one print that's priced to the downside will really be enough to bring all those buyers back into gilts. Um, and even, you know, as we've spoken before, even when, you know, those natural buyers and here I'm really thinking about pension funds at the long end of the curve, when they do return, their demand is likely to be smaller and of shorter duration than, than we've become accustomed to it being in, in the past. So I still think that there's that supply demand imbalance, which today or this week's data, I should say, hasn't changed. Um Offsetting that, the, the you know the the more bearish pressures that that still exist are a to the extent that bank rate you know those upside risks have diminished on bank rate, then you perhaps think the risks to the economy are a little bit lessened, and that's what's really been driving a lot of the flattening of the curve and a bit of the rally that we've seen in gilts over the last couple of weeks. And of course, those supply risks we think are are still to the upside. You know, Ramsden reminded us this week of the fact that he thinks that the QT pace could easily be increased come September. Um, and I think, you know, if we plug in our recently revised up as of this week inflation outlook, which has only marginally changed really from where we were this time last week, let's say, if we plug that into our fair value model for 10-year gilts, we still get an output of 4.6%. So I don't think it, it moves the needle really on where we see fair value. To the extent that we'd thought that there were a lot of upside risks, particularly on the supply side, that might mean that we overshoot that fair value, you know, maybe they're a little bit diminished and maybe we don't reach that 4.9% that I said I, I wouldn't fade any cheapening until we got to that level. Um, but it certainly doesn't really um, squash any of our sort of bearish conviction, I wouldn't have said. And to put that in the context of the yield curve, do you still like steepeners or has that been changed at all? Yeah, still like steepeners. I guess, like I say, a lot of the flattening that we've seen was around this kind of shifting reaction function from the Bank of England and these concerns that hiking to such high levels in rates might push the economy over into a deeper and more prolonged recession. So probably at the margin, some of those recessionary concerns are, have been um, squashed by by this week's um, inflation data, just because, like I say, the upside risks to bank rate are probably a little bit diminished. I also think that, you know, going back to the supply narrative, there is 
uh, an element of the fact that the clearing price of gilts just has to shift lower and lower for the market to be able to absorb all of this duration that's coming on board. So whether or not that clearing price is being driven lower by front ends moving significantly as well and bank rate repricing, or just by the back end moving, that clearing price still has to be lower. So I think that that now, you know, a moderation in bank rate expectations doesn't change the fact that there's this supply story still to come. And that should weigh heavily on, on the back end of the curve, I think. Um, we do have, you know, we've talked a lot about the heavy the heaviness of supply in July, but actually after this week, long-end supply really dries up for the next couple of weeks until the syndication. And those upside supply risks that I talk about, the fact that we think there will be a revision to the remit come the autumn statement, I think those revisions will be focused on the kind of short and medium buckets rather than the long bucket. So I expect that to weigh more heavily on the kind of belly of the curve where we're not seeing um, the domestic demand that we're seeing at the front end. So for choice, I still think the curve will steepen, but probably prefer twos, tens to tens, thirties at this point, or, you know, like tens underperforming on the curve, let's say. Um, probably enough on the UK. Let's switch over to the US um, and think about next week. We obviously have a big central bank week next week. We have the Fed leading the way, followed by the ECB and then the BOJ. Um, so let's chat about the Fed, Jam. It feels like 25 basis points is, is pretty much nailed on now. I think that's a, a very strong consensus. Um, other than that, what, what else will you be watching out for? So, of course, this meeting comes after the uh, the better than expected inflation number. And the discussion has been, uh, you know, with the market participants, whether we're going to uh, see like a Fed pivot or a confirmation of the weakness than inflation. But for next week, uh, we don't really think there's anything at, at this stage that can really change the outcome of, for a 25 basis point hike. The Fed, uh, we expect most likely will follow through with that pricing. Uh, and like you said, market has firmly confirmed that uh but as far as you know, the outlook past that, there shouldn't be. We don't expect major changes in the statement either. Yeah, maybe the improvement in the uh, in the CPI will be noted. But again, I, I would imagine the Fed doesn't want to overemphasize a single data point, uh, even though it is encouraging. They, you know, a year ago, exactly about a year ago, we had a similar story with inflation, uh, where we saw a drop or deceleration in the pace of increase, and uh, and. Uh, and it turned out to be a head fake. So I'm sure they would want to avoid that uh, fade again and try to, you know, embrace the improvement quite yet. Uh, you know, that being said, if we do get, you know, down the line, uh, if we do get more of the of, of the same kind of broad based on the inflation, that that's a different story. But for this meeting, uh, 25 base points locked in, not much changes in the uh, in the kind of statement and the forward guidance and the press conference. Uh, I, I suspect will be a little bit hawkish to to prevent the markets from completely undoing all the tightening that's priced into the, to the end of the year, at least at, uh, at this stage. So uh, our view is that Powell is just simply not going to give in to the uh, you know to the rosier inflation situation right now. So if we expect this to be the last hike in the cycle, but we also expect it to be delivered with a relatively hawkish tone to the press conference. Do you expect this to kind of elicit a typically hawkish market reaction? Which way does the market fall? Do they believe that Powell thinks there is actually more to come or that he's just talking up a kind of high for longer rather than higher for longer, let's say? 
So I think that's the uh, that's the challenging part, right? And there's a big, uh, there's a I should say like a wide range of uh, tones that he can adopt to, to deliver that message. I mean, if he goes back and emphasizes that uh, there are two more hikes for this year in the dog plot, and uh, they still intend on following through, that's a very aggressive message. If he just kind of avoids that topic altogether and see that was or and say something along the lines of, "Well, that was our you know snapshot of our views at the time. We don't have a." A forecast uh, back going out at this uh, at, at this meeting, but we will have one in September. Uh, that's that leaves a little bit more dovish. So it, it just really depends on how they decide to frame that message. I suspect it probably leans more toward pointing to uh, what was forecasted in June, and while the news are encouraging, they would want to see more progress uh, and a sustained improvement. Uh, even one of the kind of notorious notorious hawks on the board, uh, Governor Waller, he himself. Uh, at a speech last week was discussing how uh, you know he sticks with his forecast for two more hikes but should he get more improvement yeah then September or November for that matter could be uh, you know or this could be the final hike for the cycle they they, they wouldn't be uh, willing to discard that and I think it's important to keep in mind that all of these Fed forecasts are not really uh, you know expectations of what should or what must happen it's more so just like a snapshot of your views uh where you tweak your kind of where you tweak what you what you think the policy rate should go to given today's information that's very fluid and changes quickly it's not something that they must follow through on and often in the past uh those have proven to be you know, kind of like off even the even the direction uh you know in which direction so uh so yeah in that sense i think we could i suspect we get a little bit more of a hawkish delivery but uh like you said, we do think this is the final hike. And next, this summer, a lot of signs are pointing towards, uh, you know, disinflationary prints uh, ahead of us. So, uh, you know, this should be generally good for fixed income, even if we get like a snap higher uh, in yields post-meeting overall, overall kind of a more medium term. Uh, I think it bodes well for uh, duration in the U.S. Okay. And Joanne, it's not just the Fed where... We expect a 25-bit and done hike next week. But obviously, that's our, our base case for the euro area. Um, I guess similar question to you. You know, it feels like 25 bits is, is pretty nailed on from the ECB next week. How how do you see this playing out? And, and what, what else will you be looking for, I guess, in terms of the guidance and anything else that they will be talking about? So the 25 basis point hike, as you said, is fairly nailed in. I think the communications we've got from the ECB uh, since the meeting has really been one that confirms the message that July will see this 25 basis point hike. Um, I think for us, we're obviously a bit more dovish than the market, given we are expecting a pause at 375 versus markets pricing in something like a 60, 65% chance of another 25 basis point hike in September. But I think there are, I guess, a few reasons for that. One is that we do expect the data over the summer to really confirm the picture that the, that the growth picture in Europe is softening a little bit, as well as the inflation picture to confirm the story that inflation really is coming down in the euro area. Um, in terms of next week, I, I do think that the messaging is going to be quite similar in the sense that I don't expect the ECB to roll back quite a lot on the hawkish kind of messaging that they have. Um, I think if they move that around too much, you'll see markets pricing in uh, much less than they are or potentially even 
pricing and cuts sooner. So I think the ECB really will keep their higher for longer message going as well for next week. And we'll really kind of emphasize the data dependency um, that they have already done before and kind of emphasize that through the summer. There's a lot of data really coming in over August as well. So I think um, getting that data in will be quite crucial. We also have the bank lending survey next week that comes in right before the ECB meeting, which I think will be a good indication of how much tightening we've actually seen uh, or how much tightening uh, we, we haven't seen uh, over the last few months um, after, you know, rates have been increasing. You talk about them kind of keeping their communication and their forward guidance the same, but one major shift that we've sort of had this week is that, you know, for a long time we've had this kind of balanced argument, I suppose, between the hawks and the doves and, well, perhaps you might even say actually more hawkish arguments, and particularly in their their communications. But, but recently we've heard... Uh, maybe some cracks starting to appear in in the Hawks' um, arguments. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, this week's been very interesting just because of what you've said. Uh, We've had Notch, who's a pretty, who I would call a super hawk in the ECB committee, really coming in with some more balanced and quite dovish comments, especially uh, given his usual stance. Um, So not, I think, last month was talking about how, you know, tightening is not sufficient. And this week he was much more balanced saying that July is obviously a done deal, but that September will really, really depend on the data. um, And and that's kind of important going forward. So I think this, what I think is quite necessary for the ECB to either stop at 375% uh, or or, um, keep going, I think what will be crucial is this convergence story where the hawks and the doves in the committee really do have to come to this point where they agree that it's uh, it's a good idea to pause. And with a hawk like like not coming to a more central, neutral, data-dependent stance versus only really looking at the inflation prints and saying that they're too high. Um, I think that's a very positive sign for convergence. And I think it's, it fits in quite well with our view that 375% could be where the ECB actually does pause. Um, and that's what we, uh, and that's something we're looking for as well going forward. Uh, what the data is looking like, but also what the hawks in the committee are saying. Okay, lots to watch out for then, not just next week, but I suppose um, over the summer as well. And here was me hoping for a quiet summer. Uh, Okay, guys, thank you for joining me. Thank you to our listeners for listening in. We will, of course, catch up next week after those key central bank meetings um, and talk about the market reactions as we get them. Um, Just a reminder that if you liked today's episode, please don't forget to hit the like button and click subscribe so you can get the latest episodes as soon as they're available. Thanks. See you next week.